probably have a quorum enough to get started. People may wander in during. But let's uh, thank God. Dear Lord God, we are grateful for the ministry of your word. We're grateful for the minds we've been given. We'd ask that you would bring us into submission. In your son's name, amen. I was uh, talking with somebody, it might have been Abby, this week sometime about something. And I don't know if you've noticed the degree of self-absorption that goes on in our society. And it's not the world over, but American society. Our leaders are narcissists. Our, our young people are full of themselves. Everybody is a... Uh, and, and, and even being able to be talked to about humility, which you, you've probably heard of as a virtue, is uh, not something that comes up. Certain things are, are so popular as sins, self-esteem, pride, greed, various things are so much a part of our culture that we, um, that we uh, almost don't speak of them spiritually. But then an awful lot of things start to happen. Marriages go to pieces, kids turn away from God, and you wonder what in the world's going on. It's a broader argument than merely your local church or, or your, your immediate family. The whole society has gotten full of itself. Because, what, I mean, what is sin but people deciding that the way they want to do it is actually the best way for them. Um, the mistake that man makes is always this decision between whether or not the God of heaven and earth is worshipped or something else. In pagan cultures, it's a pagan deity. Uh, it's, a, it's Chimash or, or Molech. Uh, in other um, more, you might say, biblical societies, they get into angels. You know, well, that's kind of Bible. It's not Chimash. It's angels. Saints, for our society, which has become so anti-theistic, uh, they don't really fit into, um, you might say, worshiping the divine. They, they worship themselves. But you're going to come up with something other than the living God. And there's a reason we worship the living God. It's not just, well, the, he said so. No, he really, he has dibs on everything because he made everything. Now, as I was thinking about this, this conversation I'd been in, and it had been on some subject where this had come up, so I realized that as I looked at the news or watched what fed over the internet, um, it seemed like everybody was in high school. I don't know, remember high school? It was just an awful, awful time. Because in high school, I remember hearing this when I was first uh, out as an adult, realizing uh, in uh, ad design and, and the like, I, I was looking at various magazines, and someone commented to me offhand that all the teen magazines, high school teen-type magazines, they were trying, especially Christian ones, they were trying to reach, I think one called Campus Life. They used all college models for our high school audiences. 
Have you ever walked by the high school and watched them stride down the sidewalk as if they didn't? I can remember this. I can remember doing this back in the 70s, early 70s, um, thinking I could walk around campus, U of I campus, and no one would notice that I was a high school kid. I pictured myself much more advanced than I was. And in thinking about why people think of themselves as being, well, it's like high school. They have opinions that are as well informed as a high school student. They have a conceit level that is a high school conceit level, and they really want to belong to the cool clique. So, you know, whatever that's going to take. They will believe whatever nonsense the masters, the captain of the cheerleading squad, tells them is true. Because we think too highly of ourselves. And this creates a problem. The basic problem I want you to be thinking about as we go through this text in Hebrews is that there is a difficulty when it says in the past uh, somewhere else let no man think of himself more highly than he ought to think. We have, each of us, not just an impression of you, but there's an impression of the whole that says, I, the man or the woman, is X in ratio to the planet. And we actually have a small view of the planet and a big view of ourselves. Have you ever stopped to go, you know, there's a lot of, I don't know where you are on environmental concerns, and I don't want to preach about that, but I just, Ever, have you ever thought that maybe there is no way that man can hurt this thing? It's just way too big. And the only reason people think they can hurt this thing is because they think of themselves as a certain size and the world the size of Latah County. The world isn't that big in people's minds, and they are. You can't hurt this planet. It will take what you pave with concrete and destroy it in 10 years. You can't, you can't win. It's going to destroy you. It has won every battle with man since man existed. All men are dead. The planet's still here. But so I want you to be thinking about what kind of crisis comes on a a society, and then on individuals, when you have a bad ratio, a, bit, a conceited notion of who you are. Now, I'm not one of those people who are, is going to be recommending that we take on worm theology and man is just a wreck, you know. Only God is holy, we're all wrecks. Because I'm a, I'm a humanist, I, I like me quite a bit. I like some of you. Let's look at Hebrews. This is starting in last verse, last two verses of chapter 1. He has gone through the first part of 1, talking about uh, how the angels weren't adequate to the task. But to what angel has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make thy enemies a stool for thy feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to serve for the sake of those who are to obtain salvation? He's putting angels, which is one of the directions that people go for 
you might say their worship or their veneration or their sense of, of importance. Some today do it. Therefore, we must pay the closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For if the message declared by angels was valid, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Now it's suggesting that, yeah, it's not denying that these things exist. It's not denying that angels, a Jew recommends you never speak ill of the glorious ones, even Satan. But they had a purpose, and their purpose wasn't to be as important as we made them. They were ministering servants, bringing the message, pointing to salvation, and because it was an important message, we're to pay close attention to it. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It's a... What I want you to hear is ordinate valuation and right ratios about why, how you should think of you and God and the planet and the powers so that you do not serve and kneel to the wrong things. It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard him. Well, God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his own will. Now, what, if you're reading all of Hebrews, and I'd recommend you do, the writer of Hebrews is, is building an argument off this thread. But for us this morning, it's finding out or hearing in various passages of Scripture where should our highest valuation go and what should be the ratio of that valuation. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking, it has been testified somewhere, which is, again, I always point this out, the biblical writer does not give you the reference. Matter of fact, he can't remember the reference. He says, as it says somewhere in the scripture. As it says, been testified somewhere, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou carest for him? Thou didst make him for a little while lower than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, this is, what, this is a confusing passage for our subject this morning. The writer is quoting Psalm 8. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And that's our question this morning. What is man? Who am I? And then it says... For a little while you made him lower than the gods. At the Old Testament, the Masoretic text, uh, I have Psalm 8 over here on the side, and it says uh, down in verse 4, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou dost care for him? Yet thou hast made him little less than God. The Masoretic text says, they made him lower than the gods. The, the word God there is the Elohim, the, the plurality of the gods. Um, 
And the Greek text says angels, because it's thought of those two things as uh, common, or similar, or synonymous. We have been made for a little while lower than the gods, lower than the angels, but you have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection to his feet. Now the writer of the psalm, David in this case, let's go back and look at that, starting with verse 1 of Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth, thou whose glory above the heavens is chanted by the mouth of babes and infants. Thou hast founded a bulwark against of, because of thy foes to still the enemy the avenger. When I look at the heavens, thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast established, what is man that thou art mindful of? So you see where that phrase comes in, where the writer of Hebrews steps it in, what is man? It is the continuation of the sentence where the psalmist is going, I've looked at the heavens, what is man? I was mentioning to somebody, I think it was last, was it last night that I was mentioning Douglas Adams' the Vortex of Infinite Perspective in Hitchhiker's Guide? I've mentioned it in before in church, but that's what you get. You stand outside and look at the heavens and you begin to wonder, who are you? Who are you in all of this? Have you ever looked at that uh, thing on the internet where it tells you how big the earth is? Or they start maybe with a, uh, a photon and then they work their for forward and increment path up to you and then they got the planet and then they got the sun and then they got Arcturus and then they got these super giant mega stars that make our sun look like a speck of dust. And the universe is filled with this. And the psalmist goes, when I look at that, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Why have you looked on him, God? Why have you thought, the, the phrase, mindful of him, is not just Bible talk. It's, why have you thought of us? We are nobody. And people who are starting to measure everything by size and importance fail to realize that there is purpose in God's creation. And man, though he is one of the smallest things in all creation, he is the direction of all creation. I always like the, the medieval concept uh, that C.S. Lewis addresses in, in Discarded Image, uh, where the basic thing is the earth is the, at the same time, the bottom of creation. Everything comes up, it's geocentric. Everything circles the earth. But it's the direction of all creation. It's the bottom, but it's the direction. Everything in the cosmos attends to earth. And so the psalmist is wondering, what's man that you're mindful of him? You've made him for a little bit lower than the gods, and yet you've given him all authority over the creation. We've seen what man has done. We see what man can do. We see what man has been able to. And, and if we hadn't had fallen, if we had just gone on in a sinless state, my gosh, what kind of iPhone level would we be at, we'd be at now? 15? Something like that? Without sin in the world? No, no, no thoughts? I don't know what even number we're at. It says... Everything would have been put in subjection to him. So you start to say, okay, the subject is, what do we do with us? Where do I put me? How do I minister the greatness of man and the 
problem of man, or the problem of man thinking too greatly of himself, thinking like you're in high school and the most important thing in life is going on for you right now, and you're the center of the universe as far as you're concerned. It says, now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. That's what is the answer to part of this. One is, uh, when you go through Psalm 8 and you say, what is man without mindful of you? You've made him just a little, for a little while lower than the gods. That's not bad. You say, okay, there's God, and there's the gods, and then there's people, us. And you're one of those. And everything has been put in subjection to him. That was given him dominion over the works of thy hands, that was put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. All of that man strides through the earth. I mean, when you think of that, I'm going to drive to Portland this afternoon. We have only the thing we have done between here and Portland, I think there's a few small towns, but there's a ribbon of concrete that is this, oh, I don't know, 50 yards wide. And we think because we laid that ribbon of concrete 50 yards wide between here and Portland, we have conquered all that is between here and Portland. You could get lost so fast out there and so dead in so few minutes because you haven't conquered it. But we, we, we go through the earth with this confidence, this swagger, this let the city take care of all the weeds growing through the streets, we're just not going to notice how much how much we're being torn apart by nature. But it is really true. It's not the fact that uh, you know, Evan is, is, is against this concept, because the Bible is for it, that man is given this lordship, it's a little bit lower than the gods or the angels, for a time, or for some time, but this is the passage that I want you to think about, why this is problematic. You need to keep this. You need to keep that this is what God has done with you. You are in the image of God. He had you a, a purpose for man. The writer of Hebrews says, as it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. As it is, it's not working. Everything has been given to man. Man was told to have dominion over the stuff. All these things were, we, 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 we see examples of us making the claims, but we... Have you ever, you know, I don't know what your view of human history has been. I'm a young earth, six-day creationist. You can blame it me for it. But. So I think man's been around for about 6,000 years. Um, Whatever you think, say you think 10,000, say you think 6 million, I don't care what you think. However long, how come we haven't figured out? We have not figured out how to please a woman. Okay? It's because of that. It's that kind of sense of humor back there that's <laughs> laughing at it. It's not funny! <laughs> Jennifer, hope you, you're having a daughter or you're having a son? It's a boy. Oh. Sierra had a little boy, Oliver the Perfect Child. We all know Oliver the Perfect Child. 
God made him blonde, pure Aryan. Little Fourth Reich there. Well-mannered, says hello, says goodbye. Goes to the toilet. That How old was the party trained at one? 14 months. 14 months. Now she has Issa. <laughs> because even a woman does not understand another woman. So we, do, we, do, we don't know. These are people we can talk to, right? Have you ever reasoned uh, your kids hit their teen years and something else goes crazy? It's not just women, it's adolescents. We don't know how to run relationships. 6,000 years, you'd think this thing goes right on your lap, fixing your life. There are still people who, now no offense to you socialists out there, but that's just crazy. Okay? Finances don't work like that. And, and people still don't know. Still don't know how to balance their checkbook. Young people look at, what is a checkbook? We just check the ATM, or we just look online. It's, it's 2018. We don't know what we're doing. As it is, we do not yet see anything or everything in subjection to him. This is where the problem begins. We like the theory. Remember when you got the blue ribbon at the fair and mom didn't tell you that every kid got a blue ribbon at the fair? You put something together with your Legos and entered it in the fair. Oh, I got a blue ribbon. Or you got some kind of award, no matter what grade you got on your math test, you got some smiley face or sticker of stars. You went home thinking that everything was in subjection to you. You don't actually see that. You've been lied to. Someone's put your, you put your picture up, uh, got a new do. It's, this happens, it doesn't happen with guys, it happens with girls. New do, new hair, take a photo, new profile, all your friends. Oh, beautiful, inside and out. There is a special ring in hell for the people who say, beautiful, inside and out. Okay? Just wanted, this is strong. I have no other theology than this. We can't stand this realization that as it is, we do not see everything in subjection to you. Bad things happen. Murder happens. Wars happen. What does it say? Whence comes wars and fightings among you? Is it not your passions that wage war in your members? You ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your desires. We don't understand we don't understand how the world works after all these millennia. We don't understand why, how important I am. Remember that I learned that I was in high school? Didn't pan out with the rest of the world going, yes, Evan is that important. He is remarkably important. Everyone should agree with him. Now, I think I probably functioned that way at the dinner table. I couldn't understand why my elder brother didn't, you know, well, your reasoning is absolutely correct, Evan. They didn't think that. Because as it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. We're as dumb as a bag of hammers. I mean, that's, we, we just don't know how to run this world. We think we're ready to run. 
God has given us great gifts, but something is missing in this. When you step forward and say, yes, I am a Lord of the earth, yes, people around me should obviously agree with me. All the fights on the internet show people, all I have to do is express my opinion, and you'll stop using straws because of the turtles. What's the problem here? Just like our greatness as man does not go away, it just isn't evident at this moment, our path to understanding it or placing it correctly is the same place it was in Psalm 8. We look at the heavens and go, what, what, why are we thinking we're so great? We, we're, we're feeling actually a conundrum, not between people not submitting to our way and our sense of ourselves, but between what is obviously greater than you. We look at the problem of, I have a high view of me, and I have a world full of people who don't have a high view of me. That's our problem. That's the wreck in our homes. You have a high view of you, and nobody else does. Even the woman you love, or who loves you, doesn't have that high a view of you. The real conundrum is your view of you and your view of God. Your view of what obviously is greater than you. I don't know what your conceit is like, but if it is, uh, it would be uniquely uh, grand if you thought you had made heaven and earth. But you didn't. He, the psalmist says, I look at thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast established. What is man that thou art mindful of him? That's your problem. That's where we must go. If you want to say, I'm going to have a Christian view of the self, a Christian view of the greatness of man, where I don't run off in some Gnostic, uh, neo-monastic, uh, Puritan uh, downgrade of man, we're just always sinners. We have to understand that. It's all imputed righteousness. Whatever you want to say. It's not how we answer it. So God has made man for a little while lower than the gods, and we are not yet up to the measure. We are not yet up to that task. And our real comparison is not with our failure for others to recognize what we're assuming about ourselves, but verse 9 of chapter 2 of Hebrews, but we see Jesus. That's where the Christian goes. If Psalm 8 said, the creation, and man is this great thing, but how do, I, how do I accomplish a right understanding of where man is when I can't see my own rule and dominion in the planet? And nothing is worse than being in a country or a church or a group of friends who do see themselves in charge of the planet. Because that's when tyranny and draconian laws and riding roughshod over everyone else happens. Whether it's a father, a pastor, or a king. We have to stop and look at Jesus. We don't see it in ourselves, but we see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels. Because he was one of us, right? This is the, one of the big important elements of the Incarnation. 
Jesus Christ became man and like us, made for a little while lower than the angels. Crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through suffering. Now, when you, when you go through a, a verse like that, I don't know if you ever just get tired halfway through, when, when, it, when it talks about a pioneer of our salvation, perfect through suffering, you go, how do I parse that out? How do I recognize what the theme is? Recognize that the psalmist said, I looked at what God made, and you are now saying, I'm looking at Jesus, I'm being encouraged by the writer of Hebrews to look at Jesus who made this, who became then this secondary thing called man. It's a wonderful, a wonderful combination that we're not just looking at the distinction between the maker of heaven and earth and us, but the maker of heaven and earth became one of us. That he might taste death. Because it was fitting. For from whom, for whom and by whom all things exist. What's it say at the beginning of Hebrews itself? The first uh, um, two verses. Through whom he created the world. He reflects the glory of God and bears the very stamp of his nature upholding the universe by his word of power. He's one of us. We don't see it in ourselves, we see it in Jesus. If you think you are going to have a successful life trying to see your own dominance in yourself, you need a better God. This benefit when we look at Christ having become man and he is the one who truly has been seen to have dominion by the very existence of the world. That's where we gain access. That's how we're brought up. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have all one origin. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brethren. That's us saying, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will praise thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise took partook of the same nature that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong bondage. The beginning of your redemption as a someone as stupid as we are. It comes from looking at Christ, the fulfillment of the Psalm 8, getting it right, able to be the man that has dominion. Made lower than the angels and sharing everything that we share, temptation and death, in victory. 
That's the beginning point of you learning your place. And you find that learning your place is not just, oh, I got to grovel, oh, I got to. No, God has made you brothers and sisters of Christ. Brothers and sisters of He who made all things, but only through that. The only thing, if we're looking for humility, the best place to be looking, the, have you ever known somebody who is proud? I mean, like annoyingly proud? They don't seem to know of anyone greater than themselves. They are always thinking in corrective terms about what someone didn't quite do right. The wealthiest man on the planet, the most powerful military leader on the planet, there's always some armchair quarterback making corrections to himself or his wife over his PBR. It's where we learn humility is to stand before the greatness. And then we learn the love of God when we stand before the condensation of the... Not con- That sounded wrong. Condensation. What's the right word? Condescension. There we go. Different. Okay, Christ did not just clog your mirror. He condescended to be with us and to prove where man could be. And we, he's not ashamed to call us brothers. He did this this victory, this way the world is and the way the world is fraught with problems of war and anger and fear and all the rest is because we think wrongly about ourselves, we expect wrongly of our passions and of our our beloved ones and of our enemies and we need to kneel before God. We need to see Jesus. Because when you see Jesus Christ, so you are familiar with uh, that hideous strength. And Jane Studdick starts to meet true lords. She meets Ransom, she meets the gods, and she meets God. And every one of her problems that she had with her husband and anyone else wonderfully start to go away. Because there's nothing like meeting your betters. And if your betters condescend, reach down and benefit you, you become, start to become that person who could be trusted with dominion and can exercise the greatness that God gave man and woman in this planet. For surely it is not with angels, verse 16, that he is concerned, but the descendants of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in every respect so that he might become a merciful merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make expiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered and been tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Therefore, holy brethren, this is the first verse of chapter 3, who share in the heavenly call, consider Jesus the Apostle and High Priest of our Confession. We need to keep looking. When the Old Testament writer, I look at the heavens and I look at man, I go, what's 
tough ratio to overcome. By the end of the psalm, he looks back at the heavens. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. If you want some place to anchor yourself, anchor yourself in considering Jesus Christ. See him. He is, that, he is not just the hairy thunderer in the heavens that is coming to judge the living and the dead. Yes, he's going to do that. But you've met Jesus. Who is a man. And has made you brethren. And has gone before us as the kind of man who God gave man to be. With dominion in the planet. With real control. We can't yet be trusted. As it is, we do not see ourselves that way. But we can see Jesus Christ that way. I wanted to read when it says, Consider Jesus. I want you to think, there's a number of years ago, worship became kind of, everyone was talking about it, and everybody was comparing their worship services. And so you had the happy clappy, you know, youthful, what they call youthful, you know, Christian version of what the youth were doing, generally about 10 years late. You had old school, you know, people who sang hymns, because that's reverent hymns. You had the people who had high liturgies, up and down, up and down, guy in robes, shuffling across, lighting candles, smells and bells. Everybody's about worship, because worship was how we got into the deeper, deeper walk. I, yeah. I think it's worship. If we think of any worship, if we think of any worship as a deed that I did, whether it's low church, radical Anabaptist, or high church Anglican, you're on the wrong, you're, you're playing this wrong. The worship is seeing Jesus Christ and bowing to him. Holding fast to him. Considering him, seeing him. What does it say in Corinthians 2 Corinthians 3? We with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to the next. Here in Colossians, I just shoved this in because I'd seen it in the scriptures this morning. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. In other words, whoever wants to build you a religion that you can all go feel worshipy special about and then claim you got the deeper life, they might have the church calendar run amok. But don't let anybody judge you for that. These are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on self-abasement. That's the groveling, bowing, scraping, the, the genuflecting towards the cross. Fasting, what do they always, sackcloth, barbed wire next to the skin, and worship of angels. Oh, that's kind of spiritual, worship of angels. Taking his stand on visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head. 
This task of us worshiping Christ in actuality, where we have bowed the knee to Jesus Christ, we have found Jesus Christ, we have listened to Jesus Christ, not when you've had your sensuality stoked by whether it's a low church jumping around with a heavy bass beat, or it's the reverent high ceiling vaults of, of, of choral, a small boy choir up front singing something by Mozart. I don't care what your passion is, that's not the thing. Worship is Jesus Christ, and you knowing who he is, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Consider Jesus. Your worship is you on your knees before him. You're told to do it in your closet if you're going to pray. You're going to consider his greatness, his greatness as a God and his greatness as a man. And his gift of brotherhood to you. The wonder of his condescension. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Where St. Paul lets you know that the way he thinks of himself is his conclusion after he has considered Jesus Christ. When he knew that Jesus Christ was real on the road to Damascus, he knew that Christ had loved him and gave himself for him. Consider that. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful. We'd ask you to bless our consideration of your Son, that in his name our salvation would be a credit to your kingdom, and that in his name we would get up in the morning. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.